I'm so glad to be back at this wonderful church that exhibits a lot of grace and love. Every time I come here, I feel surrounded by God's love and grace. And today uh, is so special that Ariel Patterson is going to be baptized in the last service at the age of 10. And as I, as I think of um, Ariel, I think of her dad and mom, Jeff and Alicia, who were my students at Andrews University. You see how old we're getting? These are our students. And then also I met Ken Scribner, who was my student at Andrews University, and I had not seen him in many years. And uh, they look so youthful. I mean, compared to us, they look so youthful. And then also it's our honor to have Gary Patterson and his wife visiting with us to celebrate the baptism of precious Ariel. And uh, I've known Elder Patterson for the last 40, 42 years, I think. That's a long time. This last semester, I had a student, a freshman, taking the course, Life and Teaching of Jesus from me. She is only 17. She said, Dr. Samad, I want to tell you that my dad was your student at Andrews University. I said, well, how old is he? She said, he's really old. <laughs> how old? She said, 40. I said, what would you think if I told you I'm 66? She looked at me kind of shocked and she said, oh my, that's really, really, really old. And then she realized what she said. She said, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to say you're really old. I hope it doesn't affect my grades, so. <laughs> but can you imagine somebody who was 17 looking at somebody who was 66? That sounds ancient. That's like quadrupling her age. Imagine if somebody comes to see me four times my age, they'd be like 250 years. That would be really old. Um, anyway, well, the theme for the special Sabbath is focusing on Christ's method, Christ's method alone of relational witnessing, how Jesus can reveal himself in our lives, in all our spheres of influence. What do I mean by spheres of influence? Our marriages, our families, our churches, our schools, where we work. How can Christ reveal himself in our lives and impacts all our spheres of influence so it becomes a way of life? And there'll be two sermons today, but different titles for these sermons. I don't like to preach the same sermon the same day, but the same theme about Christ's method of reaching people. So this sermon today is entitled Fragrance by Christ. Don't you like the word fragrance? You know, fragrance is to draw people to Christ. Never repulses people away from Christ. Our mission in life is not to repulse people away from Christ. It is to draw people to Christ. That's what sweet fragrance does. Then the second uh, time I preach here, it'll be entitled, the sermon will be entitled, Savored by the Savior. I like these two words put together. Savored by the Savior because there is no savor in our lives unless we are savored by Christ. Or you can say we are flavored by Christ, fragranced by Christ, and flavored by Christ. I tell you something, 
as a church, I believe we have the truthful message from the Bible. I have no question about that. But what we desperately need is to not only have a healthy message, but we need to have a flavored message. There is nothing wrong in eating healthy food. But we need to have the food flavored. That's why God made our taste buds. And so this whole seminar is to be able to share a wonderful message in a flavored, savored way. And the only way to do it is for our lives to be fragranced and flavored by Christ. So then, after the last sermon, we'll be coming back at 4.30 to 6.30 to talk more about Christ's method of impact in people's lives in all our spheres of influence. Then there'll be light refreshment snacks between 6.30 and 7.30. At 7.30, I'll be sharing with you my testimony. I was born in Syria, where you have the civil war raging for so many years, and millions of people are affected. It's the worst crisis I ever heard of in my life. So I'll be sharing my testimony entitled, The ISIS Crisis and the Last Day Events. So invite your friends, church members, if they're interested in the subject, which will be quite um, insightful, but also inspiring and life-transforming. We Americans should feel grateful we live in this nation of freedom. We should appreciate every minute of freedom. And I know what I'm talking about because I lived under dictatorship. And my parents did as well. So we'll be concluding our Sabbath with that testimony. Now, as I mentioned earlier, that as we focus on being fragranced by Christ, I like to say that Jesus defines who you are. Jesus defines who I am. That's why in the Bible I focus on every verse that says you are something. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are the fragrance of Christ. Let Jesus define who you are. Why? Because the world is more than ready to define you and me. Look at this political year. These politicians are defining each other, especially Mr. Donald Trump. He defined every one of the 16 presidential candidates in the Republican Party. He just gave them a definition. You remember that? I mean, lying Ted. He keeps repeating it, repeating it. And then now he is facing uh, Hillary Clinton, and he used that adjective over and over again. Crooked Hillary, crooked Hillary. And then he has a def Jeb Bush, the former governor of the state, he defied him as what? Little energy, Jeb, little energy. And the man said, I don't think I have little energy. I have a lot of energy. But he kept repeating it, repeating it. 
Let not anybody define who you are. Let Jesus alone define who you are. And he defines us as his fragrance. He defines us as the salt of the earth. He defines us as the light of the world. But we're all darkness anyway. But we become light in his light. We don't smell good anyway, but he fragrances our lives with his life. We don't taste good anyway. We have no savor unless we're savored by the Savior. And so uh, let's open our Bibles to look at the definition that the Scriptures give us about how we are the fragrance of Christ. And that's 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 15. Isn't that a blessing to let the Bible, to let Christ tell us who we are? A lot of people are struggling with their identity, with their insecurities. Let Jesus anchor you and empower you with how he defines you because he really believes in us. And he wants to transform our lives to be more like his life, more Christ-like. So let me read verse 15. For we are, you and me, every one of us here. Jesus specializes in affirmation. He specializes in encouragement. But Satan specializes in discouragement. Let God encourage you this morning. Look at these affirming words. For we are to God. The fragrance of Christ. Among those who are being saved, among those who are perishing. It's interesting. In the verse before that, the Apostle Paul talks about diffusing the fragrance of Christ. As we breathe in his wonderful sweet fragrance, we breathe out his sweet fragrance. So verse 14 talks about this diffusion. We have the infusion of Christ's fragrance in us, then consequently we have this diffusion. We spread his fragrance everywhere and always. Why? Because we're told by inspiration that when we have the fragrance of Christ in our lives, what happens? We breathe forth his fragrance. It's about breathing. And breathing takes place as a way of life. All of us are breathing this morning. Can you imagine if you cannot breathe? Thank God we can breathe. Whenever you breathe, every moment, think of this profound idea that Christ's fragrance is enshrined in our hearts. We cannot keep it inside, and we breathe it forth. Always, the Apostle Paul said, and everywhere, a way of life. Now, it's interesting how the idea in verse 14 of this passage evolves into verse 15. In verse 14, it's an act of doing. 
we diffuse the fragrance. And we keep diffusing the fragrance of Christ and His love and His grace. Always and everywhere. So much so it becomes a way of life for us. And what happens in verse 15? We become the aroma of Christ, a state of being. People look at us. People interact with us. And they see Christ revealed in us. And they smell the fragrance of Christ. And they say, you are an extension of Jesus. The greatest accomplishment in the Christian church today is for Christ to be revealed in our lives. There is so much in the world today of self. The world has too much of self today. It's high time we have more of the Savior. Down with self and up with the Savior. In a we who believe we're a part of the final remnant of Jesus. We are to follow the Spirit of John the Baptist. You know, John the Baptist came to prepare the way for the first coming of Jesus. And you and I are commissioned to prepare the way for the second coming of Jesus. And what was his approach? What was the approach of the, of the prophet John the Baptist? When he saw Jesus, he made this profound statement. He said, Christ must increase but I must decrease. What a wonderful thing to remember. Why? Because there is too much of self and not much of the Savior. And John the Baptist being such a great prophet, powerful, mighty, had the privilege preparing the way for the first coming of Jesus. He was so humble by saying, it's not about me, it's about Jesus. What about me? What about Jesus? Oh, first of all, Jesus must increase in my life. Consequently, self decreases. You know, uh, the devil doesn't mind talking about the scripture. He even takes this verse and confuses us with this wonderful verse. By simply bringing disorder to this verse. The way it is put by John the Baptist, it has order. Satan likes to bring disorder to everything. How does he do it? He says, okay, the verse is okay. Just start the wrong way. By what? By saying, I must decrease, first of all, and after I decrease, then Christ increases. That's impossible because you cannot decrease yourself by yourself. Only Christ has the power to crucify self. Can you imagine? You ask people, what have you been doing in your Christian life? Oh, I've been trying so hard. And courageously to decrease self, to crucify self. Have you been successful? Not really. How long have you been at it? Several years. Oh, my friends, the only way for self to decrease is for Christ to, first of all, increase. Increase. When he increases, then he squeezes self out. And if we focus, first of all, on decreasing, we become legalistic. Just like John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. What's the first thing we do? 
Behold Jesus. By beholding Him, we become changed. What happens to our sins? He drives them away. It's impossible for any one of us to get rid of our sins. And if you try, you're going to fail. Only Christ is the expert in ridding self of sin. That's why it says, His name shall be called Jesus, for He shall save His people from their sins. He does that. We don't do that. Therefore, if we focus on getting rid of our sins before we hold Jesus, we fail miserably, or we become legalistic, or we simply become so discouraged, we give up. And Satan loves that. We must, it's indispensable to start the right way. Behold the Lamb of God. He must increase. And then he will take care of our sins. And then he will decrease self. You know, I teach a class in world religion. We study all the religions of the world and how they attempt to save people. And Jesus, thank God for Jesus. He has this unique ability to do what no one else can do, could ever do. Because the two biggest problems of humanity, you're our biggest two problems in this world, think about it, is what? Is sin. And what else? Death. Think about it. We have so many Adventist hospitals here. They're established for what? <laughs> to help people stay healthy and not die, postpone death. Eventually, people die. That's the fate of humanity. That's the way of the whole earth. I don't know, Elder Patterson, I'm beginning to think more about my faith at the age of 66. I don't know if that ever, you think about that. But I mean, you come to the point where you work so hard, you're so busy teaching, evangelizing, traveling, writing books, and all of a sudden, wow, life is passing by. But of course, we rejoice in that because we're looking forward to the answer of all our dilemmas the coming of Jesus Christ. So what are the two biggest problems we face as human beings? Every one of us. Every human being in this world by the billions, they face the same two problems. Number one, sin. No religion. No religious founder, no psychologist, no psychiatrist can get rid of sin. Only Jesus can. What's the second problem of humanity? Everybody in this world, including you and me, the second big problem is death. That's why people worry about getting old, getting sick, getting cancer. Death. And nobody else in this whole world, be it Buddha, Mahavira, Muhammad, Confucius, Nanak, any religious father, they could not get rid of death. Why? Because Christ is uniquely qualified to take care of these two problems. How? Well, because He is the Lord of righteousness. He is righteousness embodied. What else is He? He is life. He is the source of life. And only the one 
who is fully righteous can get rid of sin and only the one who is life eternal can get rid of death. That's why the Apostle Paul says, what a profound statement. Jesus became sin for us who knew no sin because he is righteousness, perfect righteousness, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Wow. What a great exchange. I mean, don't you like when you go shopping to have a bargain? To get something so discounted? 60%, 70%, you feel good about that. You know, wearing a necktie today. I just got five of them. You know, I don't need five ties. I have so many of them. I give them to my students. But they were on sale. How can you resist that? Five neckties, 100% silk, made in fabrique in Paris, made in Paris. So I bought five of them for five dollars. I mean, isn't that, I enjoy this even more than paying $50 for it. If we're so excited about bargains in this world, how much more we should be excited but this great divine exchange where Jesus comes to us and he says, I am eager to cover you with my righteousness. I'm more than anxious to give you eternal life. What a great exchange. He said, come to me. Come to me, please. Come to me. Don't go to the world. Don't go to all these experts. I'm the expert. Come to me and give me your sin the spiritual cancer that kills forever. Come to me. Give me your sin. All of it, all of it. Give me your guilt, all of it, all of it. Give me all your sins. In exchange, that's a, that's a divine bargain by the way. In exchange, I'll give you my righteousness. What a tremendous gift to be covered with Christ's righteousness. When God the Father looks upon you and me, he doesn't see us, but he sees us covered in Christ's righteousness. And I read a statement from the book, The Tsar of Ages, which really fulfilled a great desire in my heart. Whenever I read the words of God the Father, about his son Jesus at his baptism. He said, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Oh, how I desired with all my heart, I desired ardently every time I read this. How I wish God the Father could say this about me. But look at me, I'm a sinner. I don't deserve this, but I wished it so badly. I hear the voice of my heavenly Father saying, Philip Saman, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I read this statement from Desire Ages commenting on this text. We're told when we submit ourselves to Christ, when we come to him for healing and restoration, he covers us with the robe of his righteousness. And when God the Father looks upon us, 
He sees us accepted in the beloved. He sees us covered with the righteousness of Christ. And he says the same words he said to him, to each one of us. You are my beloved daughter. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Isn't that wonderful? Because he is well pleased with Jesus. What a great divine bargain. Come on now, imagine if you go to Florida Hospital. I know some oncologists are here in this audience. Some patient comes to you with deadly cancer, has only one month to live. Won't that be an awesome happening if that human physician had the ability to risk this patient of all this deadly cancer. Oh, people will be jumping up and down, celebrating, no more cancer. I'm free of cancer. How much more exciting to celebrate. Through Christ the great physician, he rids us of the cancer of sin. How does he do it, by the way? Does he operate on us? Does he use chemotherapy? Does he use radiation, which is difficult, by the way? No, it's a miracle of grace. A miracle of grace. He says, this is how I do it. This is how I do it. As simple as that. I'll take your deadly cancer of sin upon myself. That's why he died on the cross. In the place of your deadly sin, I give you my righteousness. Are you excited about that? Do you, do you feel convicted to say, Lord, I accept this awesome divine bargain? And the second problem is death. People are afraid of death. You know, uh, at Southern Adventist University, the financial advisor of the university went to meet with all the employees who are 60 years and above. And I felt, you know, I'm included. And the first question he asked, I mean, this man is an expert. And you know, how you disperse your uh, retirement money and social security. And the first question he asked, he said, well, you tell me first of all, how long do you plan to live? I never thought of it that way. I mean, now, and he was serious. I thought he was just joking. No, I need to know how long do you plan to live? And you know, in America, we have, we have such studies and research about family history. I mean, after all, it was a reasonable question. How long did your father live? And how long did your grandfather live? And uncles and aunts? And we can give you a pretty good idea how long you're going to live. It kind of made me feel nervous, you know. I thought maybe I would live longer than my dad. But no, it's already predetermined. <laughs> By the way, it's in God's hands how long we live. You know that? God will have the final say. And people came to me afterwards and said, you know, I, I mean, I, I really feel funny about this. I mean, like, like according to the financial advisor, at my age, I only have 10 years to live. I don't like that. I said, please, don't, don't think about it too much. It's morbid, you know. Keep your destiny and life in Jesus' hands. And what else? <clears throat> Jesus, my divine advisor, tells me, don't worry about death. 
Do not ever worry about death because your life is hid in my life. Why do you say that? Why do you make such a bold statement? Nobody else can say that. Don't worry about death. I'm taking care of it. How? This divine exchange to solve the second biggest problem of humanity. I, because I took your sins away and gave you my righteousness. I died because of that on the cross of Calvary. Therefore, in dying for you to give you my righteousness, now I'm taking your death and giving you my life, abundant and eternal. I tell you something, nobody can beat that divine bargain. Please, I beg of you, take advantage of it. Take advantage of it and be happy and rejoice and celebrate. Why? Because through Christ, you got righteousness, you got life eternal. Amen. <laughs> Away with our sins and death. Welcome to our righteousness in Christ and his divine, eternal life. That's why this happy news is like sweet fragrance. Sweet fragrance. And by the way, the Bible describes Jesus as smelling sweet. Hmm. Describes him as the rose of Sharon. Roses smell sweet. You know, when I was teaching at Andrews University, there was this colleague of mine who loved her mother immensely. She wanted to give her a gift on her birthday. Ran in the fields around her house and picked a wild little rose that smelled good to give to her mother to make her happy. And she held it tightly in her hand to keep it safe. She ran to her mother when she got to her mother to give her this special gift of a wild rose. She opened her hand. I guess she held it too tightly. It was crushed. Oh, mommy, I'm so sorry. The rose is crushed. Don't worry, sweetheart. Roses smell more potently, more powerfully when they're crushed. Jesus, the rose of Sharon, smells so good. Even more so when the rose of Sharon was crushed on the cross of Calvary for each one of us to give us life and life eternal. Oh, my friends, in response to this sacrifice of Christ, you and I are little wild roses. May our little roses be broken with the broken rose of Sharon so we can all smell sweet for Jesus. Draw people to Christ who come to you and say, you smell good. You smell like Jesus because he surrounds you with this fragrant atmosphere and he lives in your life. So when you breathe, Spiritual speaking, you breathe his fragrance. His fragrance, not the terrible odors of self, 
with His fragrance because He lives in your life and my life. Amen. I just before praying, I want to ask a question. You know, Satan makes many appeals in very enticing ways. Now I make appeals every time I lecture or preach. Simple appeal. Would you like to accept Jesus' divine, awesome bargain? To give him your sins, your death. And in turn, he'll give you his righteousness and his life eternal. And with this good news that's so exciting that we can celebrate, begin to smell sweet for Jesus. Not only diffuse the fragrance of Christ, but also become the fragrance of Christ. Let Christ define who you are. We are the fragrance of Christ. If you're willing to open your heart to this invitation, would you please stand with me for the prayer of consecration? Dear Father, what awesome news that because of the rose of Sharon, crushed, broken on the cross of Calvary, we can all be diffused with this fragrance, dear Lord. May we breathe it in. May you reveal it through our lives. We're standing up because we want to say right here and now. We rejoice in this offer, dear Lord, to receive right now your righteousness to cover us, to be accepted in the beloved. And dear Lord, in exchange, we give you our sin. Thank you for your life eternal. And thank you for ridding us of death. And in this position of strength in Christ, we can make an impact in all our spheres of influence because we're secure in this good news. We can be bold to reveal Christ in us and we give you all the honor and glory. May Jesus always increase in every life here. That's what we want. Consequently, may we decrease. Oh dear Lord Jesus, become so dominant in our lives that self has no place. It's squeezed out by your power. I pray this with all my heart in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen and amen. amen.